Claire. And I'm Ashley. And, and this, this is Celebrity, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. That Listen was up, beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Um, oh, I, I didn't know you were going to tear immediately. I thought we were going to give a warm welcome and a hello parade and to the, to the lovers out there, the people who like us. And now, a, a brief message for the haters. Okay, haters, listen up. I know I say give us all the feedback. We want it all. We just want to be better for you. I'm lying when I say that. Okay, I also want to take a quick break and say thank you for your ratings and reviews. And if you haven't yet rated and reviewed, please do so. But once again, only if you like us. Okay, so to the haters out there who are like, oh, there's no facts in this podcast. Oh, these girls just talk about themselves. Blah, blah, blah. I came here for the book. We literally read the book. Well, that's okay. That's a different point than I was going to make. Here's (laughs) what I want to say is I get that you guys came for the book. We talk about the book. We get there. And if you want to scrub on through to minute 22 or whatever when we start talking about the book, feel fucking free. But here's what else I want to say. Also, why are you just here for the book content? What a weird thing to do. That's what. Okay. Okay. I feel like you need to let me get my thought out because I have a train and you're like kind of derailing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go. Okay, here's what I want to say. I think if you came here to hear about Holly Madison's book and Holly Madison's book only, you're an idiot. Get out of here. Like, I'm sorry, but Holly Madison's book is not that complicated. Just fucking read it. If all you want is undiluted Holly Madison's book, read the book. And if you're too stupid to read or you're busy and you commute a lot and you have time to listen to a podcast, then get the book on audiobook. Like, if all you want is to hear Holly Madison's book, there are ways to do that. This is not a work of art. This is not The Great Gatsby. You don't need somebody breaking it down and spoon feeding you the facts just fucking listen to the book if you're here this is a journey this is a friendship this is a community of me and Ashley mostly (laughs) talking about how our lives are falling apart constantly at every turn and in the meantime we're reading for you guys so that we have a cultural touchstone upon which to opine this is our (laughs) point of view we are giving it to you we're comedians first we're not journalists if you're here for the facts that's what I said yeah I stole that from you so actually you didn't derail me you kind of enriched me but I didn't (laughs) want to get to the point where I called everybody here. He's like mad that we don't talk straight facts about the book, idiots. I really do think that if you, all you wanted was somebody to explain Holly Madison's dumb ass 200 page memoir to you, you're an idiot. I don't even want you listening. I also just think it's funny because like we used to do a podcast about Britney Spears where we had zero facts and there were a handful of complaints about the fact that we didn't research anything and those were fair. But on this one, we really did do the reading. And so it's just like, how many facts do you want? Do you want literally only facts? Because what is the point of that? I mean, Join yeah. onlyfacts.com. Join only- Onlyfacts.com. And for our fans, never forget to look us up on Onlyfans.com. Um, I mean, Patreon. If you want to learn about Holly Madison without any of the the beauty of our lives, if then you ask Alexa. Holly without the banter? Then just, like, read her Wikipedia. I don't understand. That's a perfectly banter-free zone. I also just think that, um, That's not I don't the know. Po- like, I know, I guess if you came from TikTok, you were like, oh, these girls are doing timelines and facts. And I mean, yeah, in a minute, it's easy to just talk about Holly Madison. It's hard to talk about Holly Madison for six straight hours. Austin, we're comedians, first and foremost. Yeah. Narcissists, second and foremost. <laughs> so and third and foremost, readers. <laughs> <laughs> third and foremost, bookworms, just like y'all. <laughs> a little squirming wormies. All right. And so now, I, you know, I don't like to be mean to you guys. Mommy doesn't like it when you guys act up. I Mommy doesn't want to be mad. I know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like so mad. <laughs> um, we're in a fight again right now because I just said that. And that I'm going to fight with myself. <laughs> no, but it's like I don't like to yell at you guys. I don't want to hate my face. <laughs> but we're not yelling at you guys. I honestly think the people we're yelling at 
um, have either already stopped listening or listened to one episode that they hated and left us a negative review. So if you're still here, welcome. A warm, beautiful welcome. Somebody was like, I'm going to try harder to like it. And it's like, okay, you're not trying hard enough. I will say this isn't the podcast you're looking for if you're looking for two women who read Jessica Simpson's memoirs, give you the facts, and uplift you. We're not uplifting. We're deeply misogynistic. (laughs) We hate every woman, including ourselves. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy. We've got stuff to work on and we're doing it via reading therapy. Yeah, if you guys want us to fucking be better people, then maybe you should have voted for somebody who believed in universal health care because we can't afford to go to therapy. <laughs> and so we have this podcast. But if you want to encourage us to go to therapy, subscribe to our Patreon where you're he- where you'll hear us at our most unhinged and Help us uh, recoup some of the losses that we lose constantly running We're this podcast. Losers. You're listening to two losers. And if you expect losers to know something, well, then you're stupid. Then you're a loser. Anyway, back to the typically scheduled programming. Um, Ashley, what was the name of your memoir this week? The name of my memoir this week, my goodness. The name of my memoir is uh, Secrets. Should we keep them? <laughs> What do you think the grammar was there? Secrets, comma. Should we keep them? Question mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe secrets, colon. Okay. Semicolon? No. Why do we even put those? I thought semicolon was just like a don't commit suicide thing at this point. <laughs> I don't think you even use them in <laughs> writing. Anyway, how? what secrets are you thinking about keeping? Don't. Okay, I, I won't. Don't. I just feel like I have a couple things that happened this week that I was torn about talking about on the podcast because I, I don't know. I just feel like my life this week was like one of those. I feel like I had a good week, but it was something that I feel like I should like talk to my mom about in person, and instead she'll just hear about it on the podcast. Um, and so, okay, let's just like run through my week in this secret. Okay, so first of all. I am growing and changing this week. Two weeks ago, I was growing and changing, and then I stopped growing and changing, and now I am again. Um, I am not currently dating anyone because I'm trying to be a better person. I had literally no plans this week, and luckily, Claire has been free all weekend, so we've hung out three times in two days. (laughs) But last night, before you texted me to say, do you want to go hang out? I was very much intending to last night just like order Thai food and watch TV by myself. Wow, who... I know. Instead of finding dates, instead of doing something that would have been personally toxic. Um, so, you know, pretty big of me. I was literally saying to Mac, my boyfriend slash roommate, the other day, <laughs> that I was going crazy because I wanted to hang out with more people. And he was like, you're the only person I hang out with. And I was like, I don't know how you survive that. I was like, I cannot yeah. stand me. If I'm with me alone with me for one minute, I go insane. I, on Monday... It took, it took me like five hours to get home from Philly because I missed my bus. And then I just had to like walk about. By the time so it I still only took you like an hour and a half to get home, but five hours of milling. Yeah, it was five hours of milling. <laughs> what really means five and my phone died immediately. So I was alone with my thoughts for five hours. That is and by the time far I got, too many hours. By the time I got back home and had like human contact again, I was so far from the reality with which I started. I was like in my head, me and my boyfriend had broken up. I had been fired from my job. <laughs> I had lost friends. I've I'm like dying of AIDS in 1984 like I just uh, spiral do you know what I mean I'm so unhinged I just like you know the multiverse theory that there's a million infinite universes and that I'm living in all of them except for the one that I'm actually in by the time I got home I was just out of control 
detached from society. And that's why I can't be alone. <laughs> anyway, you know I hate being alone, and I feel like you've given me crap about it before, so I'm really happy that you're falling into my own personal despair. So my week. Anyway, so I have been trying, because I do know, I've been trying to mentally prepare for the winter, because I know that it's going to get unpleasant in my brain <laughs> I know it's gonna be a bad time for all and so I'm trying to make it less bad by getting better at being by myself um just in case I don't have a winter boyfriend and what I did this week I was dating someone last week last weekend I spent zero time alone I mean truly none and I was seeing someone who I decided was not a good fit for me and instead of keeping it rocking until I met someone else like a true dickhead I sent him a full-on text to say that I don't think we should see each other romantically anymore which I feel like is huge that's really huge I do think that that shows a lot of growth I know and especially because like that French guy that I was dating I like fully ghosted him and um and then that other guy I guess as karma fully ghosted me the guy that I was like obsessed with and so wow, you're setting us up a really good plane for yourself. I know. So now karmically, I really feel like the next person who doesn't like me will have to tell me. <laughs> I feel feel like that's how you ended up with Matt was you were just like, well, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> it really was like, honestly, I like, could have ended up with a new Matt for the winter. No, the other guy was not like Matt at all. He was so nice. But um, I feel really weird talking about it because he listens to the podcast. But I don't know if he still will, but like he might. Um, that's why it's a secret. <laughs> but I do feel like like part of even our fight with Matt was you were mad I wasn't more supportive but with the Matt thing it really was like you went on three dates with this guy and you kept being like I didn't like it I didn't like it I didn't like it and then one day you were like he says I have to be his girlfriend and we're never speaking again so I went to be I decided to yeah, be his girlfriend it was toxic the whole time I don't but think then we you need were like why are you more supportive of this and I was like you have yet to tell me his name in my head he's still just that guy you didn't like on a date yeah I will say once again if you guys want to hear more about the the ongoing battle like of like the battle of it happening in real time. Listen to We're in a Fight with Claire and Ashley. You can hear it there. We don't need to talk about it again here. I will say, um, you have said it many times. I do have a type. This other guy that I'm talking to right now yeah. looks a lot like him, but with good teeth and like three inches taller. Whoa. I know. Well, that's huge. I can't wait to see how that unfolds next week on the pod. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm not talking to anybody, but no, I no, am no. trying to only date people that I like. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how it unfolds next week. <laughs> Me too. He's nice, but he is like truly not even just looks like him. He's like a um, fucked up emotionally. No carpenter. <laughs> I like that. I'm really into that. Me too. I want to be a carpenter. Maybe that's why you like me so much. Because <laughs> you like like dirty blonde people with like sinewy. I just have like a real problem with fancy boys. And I don't mean that as a slur. I mean that as like a straight men who are fancy. Like, I, I just that. don't like it. And there's a that. lot of fancy boys in New York. I mean, I always say like Mac for me is the jackpot because he's secretly rich. <laughs> he's I know. secretly successful, but he's such a dork ass. <laughs> I know he, but he very easily could have been a fancy boy. Oh, like yeah. it really is just like a weird, like he's fully in finance, but it feels like almost like, like a side. Something note. in the chemistry got fucked up there. Yeah. I mean, he's because very everything much, about his upbringing, everything about his current life. It's he like, could have why been such a douchebag? Yeah. But he really, feels like he could also be a carpenter <laughs> honestly if his exact life had accidentally happened in scarsdale instead of canada yeah he would be the worst, the worst person we've ever met <laughs> the worst person <laughs> 
Um, but like luckily he just got like eyedroppered into Canada instead. <laughs> yeah, he was just raised well. He has like, it's really <laughs> bizarre how he ended up Yeah. So, so anyway, unfinancy. We'll see how that unfolds. That's actually the name of my my chapter this week. Yeah. I also am not gonna say the secret that I'm keeping from my mom. We'll save that for the Patreon. Oh my god, I know what it is. Oh my god, now I know. Should I say it? I'm just so excited about it. I love it. I think you should bring it up. You guys, I got a huge ass tattoo this week. It's so cool. (laughs) It's the funniest fucking tattoo I bet. When she told me she was thinking about it, I was like, how did that even pop into your brain? It's so Ashley. It's just so silly. It's my essence in a tattoo. And I'm really happy with it, but it is the biggest one I've ever gotten. And for those of you who don't know, I have like seven, I think others. I think this was eight. Interesting. And like number eight, but the other ones are really little and my parents always get really mad when I get more, even though I feel like once you have seven tattoos, it's like, what's eight, you know? This one is huge. (laughs) Are you going to describe it to them? Yeah, it's um, on my rib cage and it's a skeleton laying on its side, all chill, doing a peace sign. (laughs) (laughs) What a preposterous tattoo. It is preposterous. It is funny. If you want to see it, I'll DM you a picture. It is emotionally, like, you know how men will get their own last name tattooed on their back like a jersey? Well, that's something that you came up with because I told you that I once dated someone who had his own last name tattooed across his back like a jersey. Oh, I've internalized that as something a lot of men do. Is that just that one guy? This one guy that I dated, he had his name tattooed across his back like a football jersey, but in Monster Energy Drink font. That's really funny. (laughs) I have to say, though, you can never make fun of him again because what you did is like and vibe vibrationally the exact same thing yeah but you I really think that took that's completely different you really took like actually he didn't and come put, up with who he is vibrationally he came up with i guess when he added the monster energy to I was bond, <laughs> <laughs> if he had gotten it in regular letters it would have been just like a weird thing to do but because he chose monster energy drink monster font um, I cannot believe you had sex with this person. <laughs> we dated for like 10 months. <laughs> and like all of his side, he had like a cross with like a tribute to his dead buddy. And he wasn't even Latino. <laughs> Is that okay to say out loud? No, that's should a, that? that should have been a secret pod thing. We'll leave it just so you guys know what you're missing. Should we um, move on to me? Yes. Claire, how would you title your memoir chapter this week? Mm. I think I would title it, Sorry I Can't Be Her. (laughs) Interesting. Not that much happened to me this week, but one of the big things that happened in my household was my boyfriend finally... And the final piece of his, the gaming PC he's been working on. I literally don't understand building a computer. It is so confusing to me. I know you keep explaining it, but every time you do, I really feel like we're completely speaking different languages. Like you're answering a question that I have not even gotten so far as to ask yet. I'm still many steps behind. Okay. So basically a computer, he didn't like build it starting with sand. He's not like in there coding. Okay. But a computer is made up of different parts and so it's easier to think of as like a desktop not like a laptop think about like in a desktop you know there's that big tower so you have to like buy the keys individually well you buy the keyboard and then you buy the monitor okay and then you buy the cpu which is the computer processing unit you need the graphics card which is special for him because he's a big gamer and so it's all about the graphics and then you need a fan and then you need ram I don't know. It's just RAM like, is the random access memory. It's how your computer like. I call them random acts of mindness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, there's all these different components. You didn't build anything, but you have to assemble them. And so he was saying that if you bu- buy them all separately and can build it yourself, you can get a super powerful computer 
for like a third of the cost. Okay. I will say, I finally asked him today, I was like, wow, so how much would this computer cost if you had bought it already built? And he was like, a fortune. And I was like, okay, but if like you were to put a number on that fortune, and then he goes, like, three, 3.5K. Okay. And then it's a so lot of money. So for someone who works in finance. I just don't understand. It is, I mean, it just, it is a lot of money, but it, it's like his one dream in life. And the idea that he was like. Right. I mean, no, that's like an insane amount of money to just drop. But like, if that's all you've ever wanted, it's like not super crazy. It really is not. Su- I mean, we're talking about a girl. I recently spent a thousand dollars on a bench in my apartment that no one's allowed to sit on. <laughs> that's true. I've looked at it and it is beautiful, but I think it would be nice to sit. No, well, you can't. My I know dad, I won't. I would never ask. I'm just saying my dad would be came nice. in today and immediately was like, oh, can, I say, can I sit on the bench? Yeah. yeah for yeah. one minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Time me for 60 seconds. My dad asked if he could sit today and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> it's not for sitting. It's for looking. It's for the yeah, it's a handsome bench, but um. So he got his computer. He's finally built it. They assembled it. He was up till four a.m. working on it. He woke up and kept working on it, and then today he was like looking at it and has all these bright colors. And he goes, "What should we name her?" And I was like, "I'm gonna be real with you right now. If you give this computer a girl name, I will get jealous of it." (laughs) (laughs) If you start referring to it as Sarah, like I will jump off the roof and we will have problems. Like. I'm like, ar- I'm going to go in the office and play with Tracy. I'd be like, fuck you. Get out of my life. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm sorry. Well, then why don't you go fuck Tracy? <laughs> the computer. He'd be like, I want to. <laughs> he might. I, know. I don't know what he's doing tonight. He was like, oh, you're leaving? Cool, cool, cool. We'll close the door. <laughs> <laughs> I want anyone to see what I'm doing in here. Ew. But um, so that's what's different is I'm like bracing. I have spent so much time being like, invite all your friends. Get a cool computer. Game, game, game. And now I'm like, your friends are invited, but they cannot sit anywhere. <laughs> and I'm happy you're gaming, but I do feel like you hate me now. What are you doing? Claire's jerking off the mic right now. You guys, you guys are being fucking fucked by Claire. Claire's trying to harden you. What if I said that? Instead of get someone hard, what if I said? <laughs> I'm waiting for you to harden. <laughs> does this make you harden (laughs) how much time until it sets (laughs) i can't breathe okay should we actually talk about the book okay so you guys this episode is part two in our three-part mariah sance what is that? A it's like a renaissance on. of Mariah. <laughs> All right. Today so, we're going to talk about um, just like the juice, the fun juice, the relationships, the TRL moments, the the hot topics that I think are worth discussing that are sometimes discussed in detail and sometimes, frankly, floated over like a helicopter in her book. Maybe like a butterfly. Wow. Good reference. Thank you. So right when Mariah was starting out in the business, she had, you know, barely scratched the surface. She was getting very involved in like backup singing and starting to, um, she had just recorded her demo and she got invited to a party that Tommy Matola happened to be at and their eyes locked. 
And the rest is kind of history. Their relationship moved very fast, as did her career. And it is very bizarre to me. I think we talked about this a little bit with Mateo, but she never really had any sort of middle time in her career where she was just finally making ends meet and, you know, watching her star rise and this and that. She got with Tommy and was really just like whisked away into his life and then had millions of dollars and was also earning her own money, but like never was in any sort of like middle ground yeah, financially star wise. Cause she was also then Tommy Matola's girlfriend yeah. slash up and coming artist. She like leapt onto the scene in two ways and it wasn't, I'm not saying she had her career because of him, but like, I don't think she was only famous for her career at the beginning. The night they met, he got her demo and wanted to date her. It was like yeah. a two for one. Exactly. And, and then within six months, she had won Grammys and had like a hit song. So she went, we were talking about it before. Yeah. And the last place she was living was this townhouse on the Upper West Side. I think she was paying $500 for a crawl space. It was like a lofted bed. She was definitely being ripped off. And then She's like, this person was my angel. They got me this crawl space. And it's like, bitch, that person was fucking you over. <laughs> yeah, that person was not paying rent. You were paying the rent for their room. Yeah. <laughs> they thought like the people who owned the house thought you were living in the crawl space for free. In the 90s. I was really upset by that. But then within six months, she's moving into Tommy Matolo's mansion, $30 million mansion that they're paying for themselves. Yeah. Something that she really wants to make clear in this book is that she paid for half of it. So she moved in with Tommy and then they were together building sort of like a dream house in Westchester. Six months later. Six months later that she paid for half of. I do think it's very crazy that she was like just whisked into this world where she was like building a custom mansion. No, 100%. There was, I mean, even we read the Jessica Simpson book and there was that middle time where she talks about. Right. Being on tour with uh, 90 Degrees and getting her nails done and stuff, but not having that much money. Like, that first house they bought was uh, such a splurge for them. And I remember even distinctly remember her spending $600 at La Perla Mm -hmm. in Newlyweds. And one of the episodes was about how mad Nick was that she spent all that money at La Perla on underwear. Yeah. And I remember even being like, aren't they rich? But she was like, no, at this point, we did not have that much money. Like, it takes a lot to, like, crush it. It really does. And so I, that's another thing is that I don't think she, I mean, I do think that she like paid for part of it and maybe paid off parts of it later, but there's from everything I've ever read about the music industry, it does seem insane that she would have millions of dollars in that first year. I was questioning because she made a big point about being like, we split it down the middle, but I was like, how did you already have that much money? I don't think they would have paid you that much at the gate. They never would have. And it does seem a little shady. So the thing is in her book in the very beginning she like disclaimers that she is really bad with timelines and so I do believe that she paid for a lot of stuff I kind of speculate that she was mixing up I wonder if it was like that just is impossible like ultimately she when they broke up like she paid for half the house or something so I want to talk more about this house because she talks about how it ended up feeling much more like a prison to her than a home Because he was, like, obsessed with her every move. Like, she would leave bed and go down to the kitchen to, like, get a snack. And he would be on the intercom being like, where are you? What are you doing? Everywhere she went, there was security that had to watch her at all times. She had, like, four bodyguards that followed her. And because this house was near a state penitentiary called Sing Sing, she called the house Sing Sing, which I think is a bit much. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a little bit much. Like, I get that she felt absolutely trapped and imprisoned there. But she wasn't literally in prison. It, yeah. She was still in a $30 million mansion talking about her like silk gowns and silk sheets and her fancy piano that she bought that she'd like always admired. The fancy banisters and like 
I don't know. I've never been to prison, but I imagine that the banisters aren't that nice. Also, it burned down after they got divorced, which is crazy to me. Crazy to me. How? I literally don't know. And also another thing that I want to point out that is very interesting is that she currently lives in a compound upstate that now she has built, but like in the same area. Why? I don't know. But that is where she like currently lives. And I think it's been dope for quarantine, but it's like she. I heard she bought it during quarantine to be near Catherine Zeta-Jones so that they could hang out. Interesting. I would buy a house near you if I had a billion dollars just so that we could hang out because I wouldn't want to go to your house. I'd say come meet me at my house. (laughs) I hope that if we ever have billions of dollars, we can have several houses next to each other in neighborhoods all over the world. No, all over Westchester. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the Tommy Mottolo stuff was horrific as you'd assume it was very much that he was I mean you just look at the dynamic and you're like of course he was the head of her record he was like 42 she was 19 she'd come from a broken home of course she was gorgeous I mean it was never going to be a partnership on any level and he absolutely wanted to control her and she was kind of like a little genius and I think he did respect her musically like he recognized Mm -hmm. I mean he's Tommy Mottola he could have had anybody in the world he wanted somebody that was unbelievable and I think she was unbelievable if she wasn't unbelievable it wouldn't have gone the way her career went like I think that she was still recognized as like a very brilliant artist and I think that if she had been any less talented the fact that she was with Tommy Mottola would have tainted the shit out of her career yeah exactly and I do think that being with Tommy Mottola allowed her to make music exactly as she wanted to she didn't have to play by anybody else's rules she got to like I mean she talked about getting to produce right Mm-hmm. created all she could invite whoever she wanted to the house yeah and I do think that was interesting in the book is like reading how crazy involved she was in every little thing like she's so smart and very good at music this relationship was like sick but then also I think that she like played into it a little bit Hollyish for me okay I don't know I mean I think you said up top we're misogynistic assholes I'm a misogynistic asshole yeah. I don't know it's just like the amount I don't she like never really talks about like loving him or caring about him or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think she loves or cares about anybody romantically. I do believe yeah. except for Nick Cannon. I do. Be, I mean, I talk about this in the Mateo episode, but to me, it really seems like she was definitely raped as a child. I mean, I was yeah. listening back to the Mateo episode, a, a point I didn't make or like well, the clarify where it's like with both of them. I do feel terrible about the horrible relationships they were in, but I think both of them saw opportunity and like wanted that and then didn't understand really what they were getting involved in and like were deeply damaged by these relationships which is not their fault she wasn't like going into this relationship with Tommy Mottola being like I'm about to be respected as an equal partner in this relationship like I don't was she I just don't know what your point is my point is that she spends so much of this book just like saying horrible things about like what a bad bad person he is and I am wondering she was a child he, she was 19 years old and you're he was right, 42 right. and he ran the record label that had like what was she supposed to say no I don't want to date you like it would have I no, also think I she came from the most fucked up background like one of our I big agree, ang- things that made us mad about the Holly book was that she doesn't talk about her childhood at all and she's in this horrible situation and, and here she talks about this and here is lot. very she has no idea like what a good father figure should be right. she has no idea what love is I think when you come out of a background that that's fucked up and that toxic and that unstable what you want in a relationship is stability and that's what she was yeah. looking for she to me it's very she was clear. looking for support and like someone to teach like she wanted someone to give her direction and, and that I think is she what wanted someone was. yeah that like 
she could yeah. feel okay, comfortable and to take care of her in that sense. She had never had a home. Yeah. Like her whole life, she had never had a home. And I, I think mean, she literally wanted someone like older and more experienced to like tell her what the right moves were that she like trusted to like want the best for her. Also, as I was because, saying with the Mateo thing yeah. was that, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that she was raped when she was 12 and that's part of her whole, I'm forever 12, darling. Like that yeah. is like textbook to me, um, rape victim shit. Like in the same way that if you're like yeah. molested as a child, your voice will never drop or whatever. And you still sound like a little girl forever. Like the fact Ugh. that she keeps being like, I'm 12, I'm 12. I fully believe that that is her trying to like reclaim the innocence that was stolen from her. Oh, it's so sad. She is a deeply damaged person. I mm-hmm. think to her, th- to be capable of romantically loving anyone was going to take years and years of therapy, which I think right. she did have to go through. And I think the reason she likes Nick Cannon is because she talks about how how childlike he is. I think it was her one shot at having like the 16 year old romance that she yeah. was denied. And like she had to I mean, start she from. She literally says that the way it was just like yeah. fun and flirty. She but I feel like she needed that. to start from the beginning and be like, what would a high school boyfriend do? Like she had to yeah. go back through and have every relationship from the beginning. She is somebody who had absolutely no power. She came from a toxic fucked up family. She had no sense of what a good relationship looked like. And she was just unbelievably talented mm-hmm. and a genius. And I think to her, what felt like love was the person who would allow that part of her to flourish yeah she came from a home where like her mom who was an opera singer didn't really support her the way she needed to be supported and I think she found someone who didn't support her literally at all but (laughs) and I think when she found this man who was not just in a position to help her but also genuinely respected and understood her as an artist and basically their their dynamic was I'm going to be your girlfriend. And what I get from you is somebody who understands what, like who's going to allow this part of me, which is the only thing that matters to me to flourish. Like that to her was love. Okay. I mean, then it's not Holly at all. And I don't think think she, uh, now that we talk through it. Yeah. And I really don't think that at 19, you can be held responsible for assuming that a man is like, she didn't know she was being taken. No, when you're 19, you're such an idiot. You're such an idiot. 19 year olds are so fucking stupid. If you're listening to this and you're 19, just know that you're dumb as rocks. And you really are. And like, if you date a 42 year old, I get that you think that you guys could possibly be on equal terms because that's part of how stupid you are, but you're not. And you're going to learn that. And I think when you do learn that, I'm not going to hold it against you that at one point you were 19 and didn't know that. Like you have to learn it the hard way. And I do think, for Mariah, she had no, like, once she was in there, it was like, she had no chance of getting out easily because he was her right. boss. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad, like, how, how afraid she was to, like, try and, I mean, the way that she had to get out, like, the amount of people that she, like, got involved with her attempt to separate, mm-hmm. it's pretty scary. I, like, wonder what they ever talked about besides music. You know what Nothing. I mean? I mean, she <laughs> talks about, so every like Thursday. she was petrified of him. They had a house in the city and a house up what's in Westchester. Mm-hmm. And every Thursday she talks about driving back to the house. And unless they were talking about music, they would just not talk about anything. They would just sit in the car quietly. Like, they didn't talk about anything. She was That's so crazy. Fully a prize. Yeah. So then she, her next relationship, if, I mean, it was more of a fling, honestly. So she meets Derek Jeter while she's still with Tommy Matola, and falls. Um, she's just infatuated by him. I mean, she talks a lot, I think, about when she first met him, not being that interested in him. But then when she found out that he was a uh, mixed race, yeah, how that was like an instant connection. And I do think that that was a very like critical part of yeah. their relationship. I is mean, that, that was such and everyone else in her life had always suppressed that side of her. Yeah. So finally, he was somebody who would like understand exactly her experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very sweet the way she talks about his family, about how they were so important to her because they showed that it is possible for like, yeah. <laughs> She didn't grow up in a culture where she could embrace both of her cultures. Yeah. Like, his background was almost the exact same as hers. Like, Irish on one side, um, 
black on the other side and but should we get into the drama of Derek Jeter yes so I think what happened the exact timeline according to Mariah which we will all acknowledge may be faulty because she because does she hates time um so it seems like her and Tommy were in therapy which was huge for them it sounded very Sopranos-esque where they had yeah. some like Italian woman who was like darling sweetie this isn't normal basically it was very clear they were going to separate they were just like t- separating through steps and sh- they kind of had to extricate themselves from another mm-hmm. through her help and she was like allowed to take acting lessons that was like a big deal he was super jealous he really like yeah he I mean is a crazy person and it does I mean I think I think Mariah said it in the book that she like basically wanted to go to therapy so that a therapist would tell them they had to break up yeah, she like, kept hoping they would help. Yeah. And uh, basically the therapist did. They agreed to separate. She was allowed one night to go out with her friends. I will say it's always funny, though. Um, the thing about controlling boyfriends is they create these situations where then they're exactly like they're, they make their worst fears come true. Totally. Where it's like you control, you control, you control. They're not allowed to go out. They're not allowed to go out. And then you're like, fine, you can have one night. And on that one night, she makes Derek cheater. And it's like, yeah, well, if she's allowed to go out other nights. Maybe she wouldn't have even cared about Derek cheater. But um. Anyway, she goes out. She meets Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. One of the things of Mariah Carey in this book is she loves to talk about how everybody was like showed up with an agenda to marry her. <laughs> I know. She is obsessed with the fact that Derek Jeter, like, like apparently Derek Jeter, like, orchestrated this event. He knew she would be at the event. He, like, got himself seated at her table and, like, hoped that they would hit it off or something. And it's true <laughs> of Nick Cannon. It's true of Luis Miguel. I mean, it's just, like, yeah. everybody... Had a crush on Mariah Carey, which I guess could be true just because in the same sense, any of these sex symbols, she was like a mega star. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, she had been at the top of her friggin game for quite a while. Yeah. So it is very possible that everybody had a crush on her. But he shows up. They hit it off. They start talking in secret. This is so funny because it's so pre cell phone paparazzi. This date could have never taken place. Never. She talks about in the age of Demois. Never. <laughs> she talks about like meeting up with him at a secret pizza place across the street from his apartment. And it's like she's they sneak in through the back. They have a slice of fo- pizza. Her friend comes with her friend, like distracts the driver of their car somehow so that her and Derek Jeter can sneak out so that the driver slash security guard slash Tommy's confidant because everybody worked for Tommy. So they would always keep an eye on Mariah so that he wouldn't be able to tell Tommy. It seemed like they were still in the pizza place. The guy didn't even know that Derek Jeter was there. They sneak back to Derek Jeter's apartment where they drink on the roof and laugh and giggle all night. They make out. Or as right as they're they're about to kiss, the rain pours down and gets oh, it just starts pouring rain. They get soaked. They run inside. They run back. She goes home soaking wet. They think about it for months. months. (laughs) She writes some song about it, which is like apparently word for word exactly what happened. And then they continue to like chat. Finally. They like meet up in Puerto Rico. Yeah, they meet at a club like and they convinces go- Tommy that she can have like a girls' weekend in Puerto Rico. Or was she filming the music video in Puerto Rico? Something was happening. Yeah, she was filming a music video in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and Derek was there for like a work thing that they and they like coordinated it. And she got a hotel room so that they could meet in like a third person hotel room. And they went and once again they didn't have sex. And this is where me and Ashley again disagree on something I think the fact that she she says they didn't want to cheapen the relationship by cheating on her marriage Mm -hmm. and I do think I like get what you're saying that 
it's not about her relationship with Tommy or I think that in her life sex is like an enormous deal but I do think it's just a weird line to draw that getting a secret hotel room in Puerto Rico is like not cheating but like if they'd had sex it would have been cheating so I think I you have think to have a line I guess this is I don't where know. we disagree yeah about literally who she's cheating on I don't disagree about who she's cheating on I just think that like no you do because what you just said is different you're saying that if you're married and you make out with somebody that's cheating on your marriage no I'm saying like regardless of who it's about the fact that she thinks that like it's not that scandalous because they didn't have sex like regardless of who she's worried about cheating or hurting or whatever like you think that like she didn't want to cheapen her relationship with Derek and and I agree that she didn't want that. But I think the fact that they had like a secret vacation together, but because they didn't have sex, See, I think to them count. that was just dating. And so I think in her mind, consummating the relationship would make them like an official couple. And okay. she was saying like, right now we're still hanging out. We're just getting to know each other. Yeah, we made out. But it's like in her mind, it was like they were going on dates. She didn't want to have sex with him and become like boyfriend, girlfriend until she was officially divorced. I think that's what she meant in her mind. To her, they were still just kind of like hanging out and flirting. Yeah. And in the same way, if like if she was single and 17, you should think about her as like a single 17-year-old in her mind. She's like, if you I met guess. a boy at a party and you guys slipped off to the back of a party just to talk all night. Yeah. And then the next time you guys met up, like you had met up again and maybe like you guys kissed. But then you're like. I guess you know what it is, is because I wasn't reading this with the perspective of like the amount of sexual assault that you were reading it with. Because like, I feel like. I guess I'm also reading it as she is like a victim in this marriage. If you don't want to be in this marriage, but you feel you literally cannot leave because you're afraid for your career and your life. Then I don't think that that's like a marriage that you need to hold sacred in terms but of what's cheating. I'm not saying the marriage is what she's holding sacred. I'm saying whichever one she's holding sacred, the fact that like sex was the line mm-hmm. was weird to me. Like all of it felt a little. I think to her, sex symbolizes a full blown relationship, and she yeah. didn't want to have a. It's like until now, it was like every couple of months they would like hang out or whatever, and I think she was like. I don't want to be like, I'm your girlfriend. Let's have sex. We're starting this thing until I'm in a position where we can really do it for real. Okay. And that to me is the difference. And I think it's like she would have broken up with Tommy. You know, she never liked Tommy. It was never about, oh, are me and Tommy still trying to save this? But I'm not saying that it was about her and Tommy. Like, I don't think that. I get that. But I'm still saying I think that she's like, until I'm done with this drama, Uh I can't start a thing with you. And to her like yeah going to Puerto Rico is crazy but you also they're also like mega millionaires who travel all the time do you know yeah and they also don't ever really have that much of a relationship afterwards like they didn't date that long once things with Tommy were done they had like a couple nice weekends like she went to Miami and like hung out with him and his family and stuff but their relationship like was not long lasting it's not like as soon as she was out of the relationship then they like began their like true romance and it went on like a fairy tale or whatever it was like it didn't end up being anything it like ended up just kind of being like a snap and fizzle sitch I feel like it was like that it was that perfect uh, to quote our girl Taylor getaway car yes it was a getaway car getaway car and I think it was very important that he was biracial it's very clear in this book that she's like I need to recognize this is a huge part of who I am and why I I am and it needs to be recognized and it was part of that awakening I think yeah I think Nick Cannon was her sexual awakening and yeah and Derek Jeter was like her racial awakening that makes sense yeah I do think it's interesting that she doesn't like point to any reason that they didn't work out this book is very much not a juicy gossip Hollywood book yeah not a lot I mean yeah that story about running away in Puerto Rico is a little she gives us that drop of something but at the end of the day 
I feel like this story to her is actually more important because of Derek Jeter's family and the fact that yeah. she finally had met somebody that she connected to in that way. And she does not it give really a lot of juicy is a details. timeline of her feelings and not of events. Yes. Um, okay. Anyway, so I'm not sure exactly where this falls in the timeline, but I believe it's like shortly after Derek Jeter that she supposedly dates Eminem, which I think is like very interesting that it's completely removed from this book. She also like later dated that Australian billionaire that she doesn't mention in the book. And in an James interview, Packard. yeah, James Packer, she says in an interview that like if something wasn't impactful to her she didn't write about it and I think that that is again it's like a timeline of her feelings and not of events like I think that there are relationships missing in here that like just didn't teach her any like grand life lesson like I honestly don't even know if she like hadn't had kids if like Nick Cannon would have made it heavily into the book yeah no he wouldn't have I will say I do think who she is is somebody who has yet to really come to terms with her sexuality. Not come to terms with her sexuality, but I yeah. do think she is, like, first and foremost, a musical genius. Now she is also a mother. Yeah. I, I mean, her whole life, she didn't have that many relationships to le- le- lean on. Like, she doesn't have a ton of friends. I don't know. She has mostly musical collaborators. Like, who she is is a musician. And, yeah. And, and that's the only thing she, like, knows to be true. And I feel like everything else is just by the wayside. I don't know. I think she could have easily gone to like 45 without having ever dated. Yeah, I feel like she has versions of her relationships in her head that she like romanticizes and like creates this like grand fantasy that she can like write music about. And then as soon as like the album comes out, she like looks at the relationship and is like, oh, I'm Mariah. Nice to meet you. Like she like doesn't even know where she is in her head versus in reality, but in a very. I don't like everything like exists as like a funnel for like content, much like our lives. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into Nick Cannon. Okay. Um, do you want to start? So the story on Nick Cannon is that, like everybody else, he was in love with her. Um, they had a mutual fr- friend named Debrat. Debrat kept trying to hook him up. Finally, at some awards show, he like gets to meet her by giving her her Teen Choice Award. Here's where the timeline gets fuzzy. Because... Th- the song she claims she got the award for, like, is a different year. I don't know. Like, somebody said she talks about the wrong f- song. Somebody else said, like, oh, like, I see in 2015 she won Best R&B, and he gives her an award for Best R&B yeah. Artist in 2005. But then a different song gets a different Teen Choice Award in 2008. Anyway, it does seem like they might have known each other for years and, like, would now and then talk on the phone. And then in 2008, things really heat up. Okay. People online think that their relationship started when he started her music video, but he started her music video because their relationship had already started. Right. So, because she talks about being on a date with a famous basketball player, leaving the date, and then um, getting in her car to show him E equals MC squared before it had debuted, which is early April. So that had to have at least been March. In early April, they filmed the uh, video. April 30th, they're married. Um, this April 30th, 2008, they're married. She talks, of course, about a mis- having a miscarriage that Christmas, which is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. She then does get pregnant again, like, two years later. They give birth to their twins. I got you slammed. they give birth again. I thought you would have learned your lesson by now. I know. I got slammed for that on fucking TikTok. She gives birth to the twins that they raised and conceived. Um... April 30th, 2011. They break up in 2014. They reconcile briefly in 2015. 
It's finally culminates in a divorce 2016. In the book, she says that even though they had a prenup, it cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars to get the divorce. Jesus it was a very Christ. expensive divorce. And on top of that, here's the thing is I remember when that divorce happened, reading that when they got married, she was worth 300 million and he was worth 300,000. <laughs> and we're saying that can't possibly be that true. That can't possibly be true. He was not like new in the industry. Like he, he wasn't had done drum. Like, how bad must he have been with money to only have $300,000 to like, he was hosting award shows when they he met. Ho- yeah. He was, he was in Drumline. He had wild and out. I mean, to this day he hosts like America's got talent. He hosts, I thought he owned Nickelodeon. Yeah. I thought he bought that like Viacom. Yeah. Isn't he Mr. Viacom? <laughs> Nick com. <laughs> Nick Viacom. I'm, so I don't really understand. I guess she still has so much more money than him. I mean, she talks in the book about how she had the biggest record deal of all time at one point. Yeah. They gave her $100 million. Yeah. So she has at least $100 million. Well, I guess I she's probably spent some of it by now. I will say one of those things about those monies is that. Huh? <laughs> one of the things about money is that you have to pay out so many people. That's true. And she has like a flock of staff. But, like, so I don't but know also how it works. agent, manager. I don't know how it works in music. Publishers. But I know if, like, me, the comedian, gets a role for $10 million, it's, like, what is it? Like, 20% goes to your agent. Yeah. 30% like, goes to your manager. What? No. Yes. I thought a manager, I thought one of them legally can't take more than 10%. I don't know which one, but. But then also you have to pay off a, a an entertainment lawyer. Yeah. You have a business manager. You have, like, a. I don't know. You keep fifth, about 50%. Yeah. So Between she, all the people you had to pay. Yeah. So she... I was watching this girl... $50 million is still... I watched this girl on TikTok. Many million. And somebody was like, you're a millionaire. And she was going down it. And she was like... She was walking away with 40% pre-tax. And then on top of that, she was saying, I am personally at... Like, because she's not that famous, but she's a regular on, like, a TNT drama or something mm-hmm. she, that's been going on for 10 years. She's like, every time I do a red carpet event, I have to pay a stylist. That's 1200 I have to pay yeah, for I've my own that. hair and makeup. I have to pay for, like, the amount of upkeep it takes just to do the press that you're required to do mm-hmm. is very expensive. Yeah. So that's why we should all feel bad for... Takes money to make money, which then takes money. Yeah. Damn. Anyway. So anyway, Mariah could be poor. Maybe she had $300,000. I definitely $1, think she's not. No, she's not poor. <laughs> I heard she makes $7 million a year off of the All I Want for Christmas is You royalties alone. Wow. I mean, that checks out. It's like blowing up on TikTok right now. So that's probably a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so she also with Nick Cannon um, – says that their relationship kind of just like didn't work out. Like there's rumors about what happened, but like with Nick and Derek, I just feel like with Tommy Matola, we got like a very grand portrait of how much of a shithead he was. And with Nick and Derek, she's like, I don't know. It could have, but it didn't. And then like, meanwhile, the amount of detail we get, like we have like a description of the decor of the room that she and Nick first like hung out in. You know what I mean? I do think she tries to be respectful of her baby daddy for the purposes of. Yeah. But like same with Jeter. Like we have, we literally, after she went for that weekend in Miami, we have a full page about the outfit she was wearing when she got back to New York. To I will say, though, to me, that gives, like, credit to her account of Tommy Mottola. Like, she's not out to get people for the yeah. sake of getting people. That's like, do you true. know what I mean? Like, if you didn't fuck her over, she doesn't have drama with you. And if you didn't do anything, like... Yeah. 
but I feel like the Tommy Mottola, also the Tommy Mottola played such a huge part in her. I guess I'm just like a gossip junkie and I'm like, where's the juice? No, and I think that's fair, but I also don't, I think that like, like makes all the bad, like if she's going to go out and say something bad about you, it means that you like deeply fucked her over in a way yeah. that like she can't even pretend it didn't happen. And also I think Tommy Mottola hugely, um, like you have to understand that marriage to understand the divorce and then understand the glitter breakdown. Yes, that's true. Which is our next topic. So now that I, is there any other relationships you want to talk about? Luis? She dated some guy named Luis Miguel, who apparently is the Elvis of Mexico. Oh yeah. And their relationship mostly, I mean, I would say if there's one thing I learned about Mariah Carey is that her love language is gifts. Yeah. She loves gifts. And I do think that's from her upbringing. You know, she, you come from a scarcity upbringing. You're going to appreciate stability and mm-hmm. she, you know, they dated for three years and like every date was like he flew her out on a private jet where he like recreated a Christmas carol on the jet with, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was all very elaborate. It was like, I built her a $40,000 hot tub mosque. I don't know. <laughs> Not mosque. Yeah, no, I mean, it seems like a cool, I, again, like if you view it as like she like started from scratch after Tommy, then that is like a relationship that you have where you're like, I don't know. It was just like fun to be in. Yeah, and they, like, he spoiled her. He treated her nice. He made her feel special. Yeah. Um, without controlling her. Yeah. So that's good. I and it was interesting because their star power, like, didn't – I don't remember if she talks about this being an issue, but, like, he was, like, the most famous person in, like – Mexico. Mexico. And she was the most famous person in the rest of the world. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I feel like it, like, really – yeah. wasn't like a competitive thing. Yeah, it was nice to date an equal. Yeah. And be showered with attention and Yeah. See, I guess like she had no bad words to say about him. Yeah, so she just kind of mentions that it happened. Um okay, let's get to the glitter breakdown, which so when Mariah was promoting glitter, um the movie that came out on 9/11. <laughs> did the movie come out on 9/11 or did the soundtrack come out? On I think 9/11? the soundtrack came out. It it all happened, like, within a week or two of 9-11. So people were, like, not going to the theater. That's so funny because I would actually exactly use a movie like Glitter to take my mind off things. Should we watch Glitter before we record our next episode? Yes. Um, we absolutely should. So, yeah. So she basically, she, like, talks about how Glitter didn't get enough credit while also being, like, it was bad, though. You know what I mean? She's like, there were a lot of things that went wrong, starting with the production and ending with the script. And here's the one <laughs> thing I'll give you, because I know you didn't super love Mariah in this. Is, and you say that she doesn't really take responsibility. I haven't seen it. So I guess it's not fair for me to fully place blame. But when she was like, my acting was good in it. I'm like, was it? I guess we'll see if it was. I'll watch the movie and report back. I like don't not. I don't. I get. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. So I don't know if she's a good actor or not. But so then I guess there's a possibility that she was a good actress, but I do feel like that would have been a nice opportunity for her to be like, it was, I wasn't, it was my first role. I didn't know what I was doing. And every, you know what I mean? A lot of people could have supported it, but instead it just got worse and worse. So she's also supposed to be recording like several music videos to go with the glitter soundtrack. She has like a jam packed schedule and she wants to make sure that this like pops off because it's like one of her early post Tommy projects. Um, And she is working herself to the friggin' bone. And then she just kind of snaps. Like, she goes on TRL. What was the TRL thing? Do you want to look up? I feel like the TRL thing wasn't exactly the week of the breakdown. It was, like, leading up to the breakdown. It was leading up to the breakdown. She goes on TRL to, like, sort of promote the project. So, like, the vibe I got was... 
I feel like what's important for context is that when she is coming out of this divorce with Tommy Mottola, she switches to a new company. I think a new label, a new label where they give her the biggest deal in history in history is a hundred million dollars so they have a lot riding on her right she now does not have the support of her husband being the head of the label and she also has a lot riding on her she claims that tommy matola went out of his way to fuck her over by taking like the track that they were going to sample and giving it to j-lo right before she was going to premiere it and then also like they were being such dicks about like not helping not promoting it like they were going out of their way to kind of fuck her over right so she goes she schedules her own kind of fun little zany appearance on trl like she plans to like pseudo crash it but have it be like a coordinated situation well in the book what she's saying is that it's supposed to seem like i crashed it but she goes of course it's not crashed like of course it was rehearsed. like you can't mariah carey can't actually show up to trl with ice cream in tow right. and they don't know they're coming like right that's not how it works there are no i don't know if people know this i feel like people are always surprised at how little they know about tv but when like conan o'brien is interviewing somebody on his late night show like they've done all of that already right like nothing on live tv is actually live the stories are literally rehearsed um that's why they have clips queued up (laughs) yeah but anyway so carson did act like it was crash like he didn't riff with her at all he didn't act like he didn't play off of her at all he was just like what are you doing here you're being weird which is the worst thing that can happen when you're trying to be funny is for someone instead of like playing off of you or even like dunking on you to just be like, you sound crazy right now. Yeah. <laughs> it like really harshes the vibe. He did not yes and her. He no anded her. Um, so basically that's like that's just a taste of what was going on is she right. felt like she was frantically trying to help herself and nobody was in her corner. She had new so management here- that they sent in from England. Because basically they, her first single off of the Glitter soundtrack, which they released, like premiered at number two. And, and everyone the, was like, bleh. Everybody was like, oh my God, she is a failure. We invested all of our money in her and now she's going to fail us. And she, her side is, I don't know. I feel like. Number two is good. Number two for a single off of a soundtrack from a movie that hasn't come out yet is like not that bad. Yeah. And so basically they sent these women and they were like in order for us to recoup our investment on you, we're going to work you double time. Yeah. She's does a music video in the desert. This is, I wonder about this. She claims that there was nowhere for her to sit, that they were like, had to keep touching up her makeup, that she was out in the hot sun. She was like dehydrated. And then she was supposed to fly back to New York and do another music video. Yeah. In a, um, what are those called? A red eye. She was exhausted. And so she goes home and she decides, actually, I just need to sleep. I cannot go to tomorrow. She goes, I've never been late to anything in my life. She goes, I take my professionalism very seriously. She's like, but I literally could not go. She's at home. She's trying to sleep. For some reason, she can't sleep. This is where it gets suspicious to me. I would say before that, it got suspicious to me. The fact that instead of like telling them like, listen, I just do not have the muster to like show up to this. Can we reschedule? Like she did ghost production which I get the thought process on both sides do you know what I mean like I get why if you're that exhausted and feeling that unhinged like you it doesn't occur to you that you can just say like we must reschedule yeah but like also production like doesn't understand what's you know what I mean like I see how they also don't get what's happening so then like she's simply not showing up yeah no and like and she is a 100 million dollar investment and also a human being that they're probably like where where is she so for some reason she can't sleep at her own house so in her recounting she then checks into a hotel her family shows up at the hotel i'm specifically her brother they tracked her there so her brother well it's the hotel she like loves to go to and she's like it didn't occur to me that i could tell them not to let anyone up her brother comes up 
and like begs her to go back. She has a freak out and hides at DeBrat's house in Brooklyn. Right. They're like, I want to say like in deep Brooklyn. She's just walking around in her own merch pretending to be like a Puerto Rican girl in Brooklyn. Her brother finds her there. But also she doesn't like take a nap there. Like she goes for a walk. So the thing that she's talking is she goes, I'm so tired. I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep, but I can't go to sleep. It's been days since she's gotten a night's sleep and she just can't sleep anywhere. It's like the timeline's a little confusing. Like, is this all the same night? And then her brother takes her to her mom's house upstate. So her brother shows up to DeBrat's house and is like, look, just go to mom's house. You'll be safe there. So she gets up to her mom's house in West Chester that she had bought while she was at Sing Sing she had bought her mom like a local house and she gets there and immediately she's like in a tizzy because the house is messy she's like she says that she's starts washing dishes because that's her way to like calm down she like can't be calm in a messy house but she is so tired that she keeps dropping dishes right this to me as you heard in the Mateo line feels like like she was throwing dishes like she was like having a fucking breakdown and throwing things which I think is fair but I'm just saying it feels right. like her story is I was so tired. I hadn't slept in four days, but I still had to do dishes. I'm, she makes a note of how she's picking clothes up off the stairs going up to her bedroom. She finally goes home and starts going to sleep. She's awoken two hours later by her own mother saying, where are you? Everyone's looking for you. What, you, what are you doing? And at this point, she loses her mind and snaps at her mom. She says she yells at her mom. She her goes, mom in the last back. six days, I hadn't gotten more than two hours of sleep per night. And that's where I'm saying, well, what, why? Because the human body, if you've only gotten two hours of sleep per night, like it'll let you sleep. It would make you sleep. So what was keeping you up? Right. Drugs. We suspect. Anyway, so here's where, like, this is why I had issues with her um, taking responsibility and her, like, accountability. Because I get that this is, like, a memoir of, like, her memoir. And so, like I said, literally earlier on this podcast, like, we don't know both sides of the story. But I do feel like for a story like this, she, like, does not acknowledge that there is a second side of the story in any way. You know what I mean? Well, so I have like, a second side, but I, do, I feel like she's not even giving all of because the details of her first side. First of all, she's not giving all the details of her side. And then, like, the way she's writing it is, like, for there to be any other side would be, like, she's like, I didn't sleep. I didn't experience, like, I just needed rest and no one was giving it to me. And, like, she's never saying, like... That she told anyone that she needed rest, that she, like, made it clear that she was going to start showing up for work again eventually, that she, like, was throwing dishes and, like, doing crazy shit and, like, running around I do around think town. she told know. her like, brother she needed rest. And so her side is that yeah. her family didn't care. They, and her family conspired against her. Which I believe. I do believe that. So this is – so let's get through the rest of this quick timeline because I have some comparisons to draw. Okay. And so basically, so they wake up. She has a fucking – meltdown where she screams at her this is like where i think the details are missing she claims that she screamed at her mom that her mom always claims she's doing the best but didn't and just like couldn't stop yelling at her yeah i think that this is when more dishes were broken i think it was more than just screaming you didn't try your best right her mom calls the police and she says this is her mom being racist is that as a white woman she's always quick to call the police in a house full of black people and i agree that i do think that that is a racist like you know what i and i mean it's hard to believe that mariah carey wouldn't have some weight in this that's what I'm saying is that like I do think that like she's saying that like her mom just like was quick to call the cops the cops came and toted her away and I do think that like something had to have happened for the cops to come into this house and arrest Mariah Carey well and then here's what else is suspicious without her shoes on well she says they let her put her shoes and makeup on 
So here's what I find suspicious. She goes, they gave me a few minutes to get my clothes together, get put my shoes on, and then put makeup on. I think if they're full on arresting you, they don't give you time to put they don't makeup give, on. And then so she kind of acts like they take her out for a, they're arresting her for trespassing on her mom's property. But then they change their mind and decide to. And then she goes in the car ride with the police. I said, oh, I know about this spa people go to. Maybe I just need a night at the spa. Here's what I think is suspicious. I don't think if you're arrested, you're given time to put makeup on. I don't think if you're being taken to jail, they let you get your nails done instead. Also, so I it think was she had been a 401. Yeah, it, she'd been 40, 41 or whatever. She had been whatever you 51, call. 5150. 5150. They had been, they'd called the police and said she is out of control and we need her yeah. to be hospitalized. Because she also says that she checked herself into this quote unquote spa before realizing it was actually a mental institution that then they would not let her leave, which you can't sign yourself into a mental institution and then be held there against your will unless you're being held there for a re I don't think I need to look into the law of that but like yeah that I don't I guess I'm not that familiar but like I don't think if you check yourself in and say like I need a break they can say like now you cannot leave yeah I think she's been checked in there I also think of the police take you and then her brother comes she like begs to leave and then she decides that she just needs rest still. And then she says, I made the mistake of letting my brother convince. Like, she went out to L.A. to meet a friend. And her brother in L.A. says, well, go to this different spa. Once again, she's very tricked by a spa. <laughs> and uh, so she goes to a spa. Believe it or not, this is also a rehab. She didn't see that coming. Yeah. And then the weirdest part is so she's, like, there. She claims they drug her against her will, which I agree. I'm, I I'm, agree. I believe that this all happened. But then the weirdest part is then she, like... <laughs> she like wakes up one morning all drugged out in this mental hospital that she thought was a spa and 9-11 has happened <laughs> and also glitter the soundtrack comes out and then there she claims that this was all such a conspiracy that once 9-11 happened and it wasn't like good news fodder anymore for her to be in the mental hospital they like let her go immediately Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. She also says that she suspects that her brother and mom were trying to gain control of her assets and her estate. And I do think there are hints of truth here. Like, I do see some things reminiscent of what we've read about Britney Spears and this whole Free Britney conspiracy. Like, I think that her being detained against her will after a very public breakdown. So here's my thought. I think that she was 5150'd for a legitimate breakdown. I think she was flipping out in her mom's house. I think she was on drugs. I think she was losing her fucking mind. And I, think I think she had been exhausted. I think she hadn't slept for days. I think she had come out of an right. insane emotional trauma of, I mean, this I think is a woman reminiscent who's innocent of Britney Spears and the umbrella. I think she had an absolute flip out where she was rightfully kind of subdued because yeah. she was losing her goddamn gourd. I think but, in a society where we had better psychiatric treatment on hand, if we had a, if we had an army of right. social workers, instead of, just cops somebody needed to be called I think unfortunately because of the way society is set up when you when somebody has a problem you call the cops even if the cops are not the best answer but that's you got right. somebody needed to be called because she did need help she right. needed help that her family could not give her right and then I think that from there her family saw an opportunity to paint her as deeply unstable and take control of her estate and yes. they failed I think that like they were like okay we'll get her into a rehab there, I do believe that she was being given drugs against her will, the same way we believe Britney's been being drugged for the last 20 years, mm -hmm. um, 15 years, whatever the fuck it's been. And I think that, like, somewhere they miscalculated, but I think she was, like, very close to becoming a Britney Spears. Like, I think I in that. that rehab situation, like, they, I kind of, part of me thinks that it's because her family didn't have a squeaky clean 
Like, I don't, I don't think I guess, they were smart enough. I don't think they had the internal. Right. I don't think they had the internal organization that Jamie Spears had. I don't think that they like, I mean, throughout Britney's career, her family had always been viewed as like very supportive kind of yeah. like pretty much there for her. Like maybe like a couple hiccups along the way, but I mean, throughout Mariah's career, her family had been pointed as a bunch of fucking loons that were out to get her. And so the fact that, like, they weren't, you know what I mean? Like, them coming to a judge and being like, let us take control of her life. They were like, no. Yeah, And then they're like, oh, okay, let her out of the rehab. We don't need to drug this bitch anymore. I guess I just don't understand how 9-11 fits into all of it. I think it just literally happened at the same time. But then why was she released? Like, the way she writes it in her book was our nurse was like, oh, fuck. Well, you're free to go. <laughs> I think that, like, in her recollection, it is not. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. also I don't know what she knows of what maybe her brother and mom's actual plot was, and this is also something that I'm fully just speculating based I'm just on reading too much so about Jamie Spears about like <laughs> like Morgan, her brother, being all Scooby Doo about it. And I was like, I would have gotten away for it if it wasn't for those meddling terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this is like the key we need to understand how George Bush did it. Like maybe he did do 9/11. Like. George Bush and Mariah, have there been any photos of them together? What's happening here? Yeah, I, was was this if I'm sorry, but you cannot tell me Brittany this is a question. If Britney had had some terrorists on her side, would she still be Yeah, would she be where we're detained? Um it is a wild story. I I mean, I do agree with you. I think she leaves a lot out. I think she loves, leaves drugs out. But do you agree with my parallels that like if yeah. her family had been a little 100%. bit better, she would be I fully agree right now with her with your and her assumption that her family was trying to use it as a vulnerability to take over. I think that she fully had a breakdown. I think the breakdown was worse than she's saying. I think it was more drug fueled than she was saying. I don't think it was unwarranted. I feel like she had such a totally, I mean, she is a deeply fucked up person who was like pushed to her brink and then did go over the brink. And luckily she was able to get, I mean, she does seem like she has like a strength in her. Mm -hmm. And I think that strength comes from cutting out all remote romantic relationships. Like I do think her single minded pursuit of music and success like that. Have you ever seen that interview with that like 110 year old lady who's like, my secret is uh, eating pickles and never fucking. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you don't have sex, like you have a lot of time to look at Portia de Rossi. Yes. When you don't have sex, you have a lot of time to succeed. God damn. (laughs) I need to cut out sex. my downfall. I need to cut out sex and food. <laughs> Get back on drugs. Um, not back on, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think that she leaves out some of the more damning evidence about. In the same way that we, I got mad at Jessica Simpson and she was like, I was an alcoholic, but I never once was late for my kids play. I'm just like, shut up. When you have a problem, it's a problem. Yeah, you were. You had to have been late at some point. I mean, but then my flip side of that where I'm trying to always be like, how do I how do I allow people to tell their stories? Am I being like a fair judge? Am I being too hard on women? Mm-hmm. Is when Caroline Calloway wrote that essay about why she was such a shitty friend. She was like, I was addicted to Adderall. I was addicted to Adderall. And she very much plays into because I was addicted to Adderall. I did horrible, selfish things. And then when I read that, I was like, shut up. But I don't know. That's just because. Yeah. I Adderall say, is a bitch ass drug that you shouldn't really be addicted to. You fucking loser. Just. <laughs> yeah. And I do think it's hard because one of the things I was thinking, because I read Nikki six and I'm really liking Slash's book. And I 
and they're much grittier than these books. And I think it's because these guys don't have a reputation to protect in the same way as these women. But I I don't think it's these women's fault. Like, I think it's societally like we can accept like a flawed, fucked up man. And we can't accept a fucked up woman unless she has an excuse or a reason or like um, there's or if it's like if she just like paints it in a way where it's like not as bad, really. Like, I think that if Jessica Simpson, like, had said that she, like, dropped her baby on her head, like, we would have sent, like, axe murderers to her home, you know? And I really, I also think it's important (laughs) to look um, at the, like, where in the careers of the memoirists they are. I think it's very interesting that the women are all using these sort of to start the second act of their career. To say, now we are mothers, now we are adult women, and kind of close the chapter on their young, sexy vibe. And to allow them to become almost Martha Stewart. You know what I mean? Like, the way these women are using it sort of to to begin the second half of their fame means that you can't go so far that you actually alienate people. Whereas both slash and Nikki six are old as shit and going to die any minute. Yeah. But it, uh, they're not slash is like in his fifties, I think. Oh, uh, but they're not gonna have a second act. I mean, it either way. It's like what yeah. they're doing is very different. Like yeah. if they do have a second, like, like Nikki six, his book inspired like a side music project that end where he like wrote music about sobriety or something that like was it like really did kick off a second act in his career but I don't think that that's what he was intending yeah. and I don't think that he was like trying to protect himself in the same way yeah I, I agree 100% that just men don't have to we have a lot more forgiveness yeah. for men. yeah that's the thing it's like I think that it's because we don't make them it's not because they're like just like better memoirists no, I don't think so either. I think it's because yeah. they're not allowed. Because they're allowed. Yeah. Or the th- women aren't allowed and the men are. Yeah. Because they know that they can push it further. Right. Like Mariah, like if she had written about some of her like more damning truths here, like I don't, I don't think it would have launched a and I think, side project. And people would have <laughs> been very hateful. People are quick to like mm-hmm. yell at a woman and be like, well, you were drunk. So how dare you be like, I mean, you're not allowed yeah. to be raped if you had ever had a sip of alcohol in your life. What are you wearing? Right. Meanwhile, like because she writes this memoir and her very like Mariah Carey is like an angel who can do no wrong way. It like literally is making people dig for her old side project. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um, I mean, I was just this is like a side note about what women are and are not allowed to do. But I, I took a writing class this morning and it was about characters. And we were talking about character arc and specifically in the book um, or in the movie uh, Little Miss Sunshine and he talks about how the family is the protagonist and so the family has a, a character arc if they get it together and pull it together and are able to be a good family he's like, but within that all of the characters have an arc He's like, and then he was like well not all of them he's like the uncle has an arc because he goes from suicidal to happy to be alive the brother has an arc because he goes from grungy to like a better brother he's like the dad has an arc and then he goes I guess the grandpa has an arc because he goes from being like alive to being dead and he's like I guess the daughter doesn't change and the mom doesn't change and I was like, yeah, can you believe out of six fucking characters? Like, of course, women are static. Yeah. <laughs> and a movie about a family. Women are the like the, the the poles to lean on. Yeah. And the men get to have interesting narratives. But yeah, it was it was just funny to go through it. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. People really don't think women have interesting stories. Um, interesting. All right. Should we wrap it up? I hope you guys liked all this. Gossip. Yeah, we've talked for quite a quite a bit. 
Love you guys. Please review. Please subscribe to our Patreon. I know I started this episode out by yelling at you guys, but I don't want to yell. I just kind of feel like yeah, this I've podcast. Yeah, forgiven you. This podcast is something specific, and it's me and Ashley's baby. And if you don't like it, then I don't know. Read the book your fucking self. But, like, this isn't we're not your teacher we're not here to like make sure you pass the test if you don't want to be here just don't be here thank you and if you do thank you so much for being here you guys don't even know if you do want to be here i want you to be here so friggin bad we love you so we like are so grateful to every listener i love you but not the haters bye